0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 263 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. How are you doing, guys? Thank you for tuning in. Um, This week I'm joined by the amazing Zari Ashton. Um, You'll hear how long we've been trying to book this one. It surprised uh, both of us, I think, because it didn't seem quite as long as it's been. But it's an amazing chat. Uh, Before I get into it, thank you for all the love for last week's episode with Ron Perlman. Yeah. That was a cracking chat. I really enjoyed it. I mean, this year in general, not that I, sh- you know, obviously we've been going for for five years now, but a quick rundown if you're not up to date on this year. We've had um, Eddie Marson, Mark Miller, Adam McKay, Richard E. Grant, Joel Egerton, Mary J. Blige, Joe Cornish, Lolly Adafope, Stephen Merchant, Stephen Knight, PC Leon McLeod, one of the biggest episodes of the year. Johan, Harry, Winston, Duke, Jade Adams, Jamie East, and Ron Perlman. And there might have even been a secret episode in there somewhere. So, um, yeah. Man, it's it's off to a hell of a start, right? Thank you all for tuning in. Um, I, I, I'm going to give some plugs up front. First of all, I want to really plug as Az- Zoe's new book, uh, Character Breakdown. I'm adoring it. I literally... We recorded this podcast on a Tuesday. I was I received the book... F- friday afternoon and i'm i was two-thirds of the way through by the time we um met to record and it's because i just i couldn't put it down I i'll normally obviously i like to read a whole book if someone's got a a, a book out before a podcast but because the book only came through last minute i thought i'll read a chapter or two and yeah i think it's amazing the way she's structured it it makes it so readable it's there's some really important insights and tales and stories there, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Azawi is also in in betrayal at the moment in London's West End. It's at the at at the at the Harold Pinter Theatre. Oh, what else? V- Velvet Buzzsaw is on Netflix, so go give that a look. Oh, we discuss all these things, but I thought I'll give you the plugs at the start because I often have people tweet me saying, "Oh, what was that thing?" And then you know they're all at least they're all here at the start, and you can um, just come back and listen to this to this bit again. What else do I need to tell you? Obviously, you can join me over at patreoncom scrubiuspip should you wish to. There's loads of good stuff over there. Poem of the month, uh, distraction pieces, rewind, loads of good stuff. Uh, the two but I, I mentioned. I was, I was saying I'm going to put all the plugs in here so you can get back i mentioned two books um there's a book by david mamet it's true and false um heresy and common something of an actor it's true and false basically and i also mentioned the book of disquiet by fernando Pessoa. So if you want to go and explore either of them after our discussion, you're more than welcome. But there's loads of stuff. If you're getting any book after this podcast, it should be Character Breakdown because it's fantastic. com. Speaking of books, you can get both of my books at Um and loads of other stuff. I'm not going to plug too hard. I'm going to get into the podcast because it's a cracking one. I'll tell you now. In fact... I'll tell you now that at the end, I'm going to tell you about who next week's guest is, and it's a really good one. I recorded it a month or two ago, and I've been excited to unleash it upon you all. I should also... No, I'll mention that at the end as well. Oh, I'm getting all ahead of myself. Anyway, this is episode 263 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with the wonderful Zoe Ashton. This piece of fiction is the of This piece of fiction is the of This piece of
1: fiction
0: is the I'm going to grill you until you give me all the, all the truths.
1: Hard-hitting drama.
0: No, exactly. Well, I'm joined today by Zowie Ashton. How are you?
1: I'm great. It's so nice to see you. I'm glad
0: we're having this. Me I was, too. I was looking in the prep for this. I was looking back. And we started trying to organise this in 2015. So you were one of the first people I hit up about That's having as a guest. Insane. I, I thought it'd been a couple of years. And I, I thought I'd have a quick scroll back. And yeah, been working can you on this for four it? years. But
1: oh my God, it's I'm, finally happened.
0: I'm a big believer in timing. And it just feels at the moment you've got so many cool things going on. Yeah. And, and things that you can talk about. Because the weird thing about the film or TV industry is half the projects you're working on, you can't talk about yet and stuff like that. So... It felt that this is the perfect time. So, so how's it all going? It's
1: going really, really well. Yeah. It's so nice to see a familiar face. Great. Do you know the other thing is? I feel like I really wasn't that acquainted with podcasts. Yeah. In yeah, 2015. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't really understand what what was going on. No one did, man. It's Such been an crazy. That, girl. Oh, it's
0: crazy that it's kind of blown up now. And I was saying to a friend the other day because I've I've. I won't go into it but I've been doing a podcast magazine as well and I've been having all these meetings. What's a
1: podcast magazine for God's sake? It's say? just a
0: magazine about I'll give you one I've got one on I me it's called it. Podbible um, <laughs> and I, I've been having all these meetings with like high up people at Spotify and stuff like that and I'm all the time I'm like just pretend I know what I'm doing and a yeah. mate of mine kind of said well you know you do because you were doing podcasts before anyone knew, okay, knew what yeah. it was. I was like, Oh yeah, I've just been kind of lying and, bl- and blagging it, and it turns out it's actually
1: it turns out it's know actually a thing. On. Yeah, I, I I've always been behind the times on everything, and it's <laughs> actually like a badge of honour that I wear now. But um, I remember when I didn't know what blogs were. Yeah, but I didn't know what they were after they'd been out for a good yeah four five years, and I just remember saying at a, at a mediary type party to someone who was talking about their blog, I was like, "Can I just ask what?" What What is a blog? Yeah. And you've never known silence like it. It's so key to be have the braveness
0: to ask those <laughs> questions though, and, and not feel embarrassed. It feels like that's one of those situations where there's someone you see regularly, but they're only an acquaintance and you don't really remember their name, yeah. but you see them too regularly. And yeah. blogs is the perfect example of that. You've yeah. probably nodded along about blogs numerous times. Oh, yeah, many like, times. At this point, I need to kind of ask someone what
1: what, what
0: is blog
1: but I am all (laughs) up to speed now I know what I know what podcasts are I've done some and I feel I'm I'm primed and ready for this awesome podcast so thank you for having me it's all been
0: prep it's all been (laughs) training to get you to this day there's tons of stuff I want to talk about I want to talk like we're we're recording this in the Harold Pinter Theatre where you're doing Betrayal at the moment which I've seen I loved I want to talk about I want to talk about your whole career in in general because as I said in 2015, you weren't in this play, and no. also hadn't done your new book, which has blown me away. I've oh. read two thirds of it, I think now,
2: oh, thanks,
0: and I love it. Creep. I love the structure. I love the way you've approached it. It's oh. it's great. But so we will go a bit all over the place. But I guess before we get to that, I figured, or oh, there's there's t- 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 two things I noted before we get to that. The first is just a question of how often do you get emails or texts that have been autocorrected. To Zane, because every time <laughs> I've tried to type your name on Organiser, I have to be really careful to make sure because it just all, always autocorrects to Zane. So it's
1: that's a, so funny. I haven't one for me. I haven't had any texts or emails, but I get quite a bit of post. Yeah. With Zane.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's weird because that's not a normal name anyway. It's, it's so it's a, like it's, it's it's autocorrecting to quite an obscure name as it is. It's
1: already obscure and <laughs> it's gone even more obscure. I, I I like the Zane over the Zor. Yeah. What's so interesting is um, I think it, like for, you know if you have that thing on your phone that announces who's calling.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. On
1: lots of my friends' phones, it just it says Zor. Brilliant. And lots of people call me Zor, right. and I just. Uh, it's the O and R that I'm missing from the spelling though, of my it? name. Yeah,
2: it, it feels
0: nicely feel.
1: <laughs> futuri- if, if It feels like a
0: character in something. Yeah, it's,
1: it's a good true. one to be named. Yes, maybe that's what my Afro-futurist um, kind of personality, my yeah. persona. Um, <laughs> no, Z- Zane is a welcome autocorrect yeah. mistake as opposed to the Zora. I love it. Well,
0: that out of the way. The other <laughs> thing I wanted to talk about was. We kind of came up on the spoken word scene we and poetry did. scene at the same time. We did. And I wanted to kind of, because again, I figured you've probably talked about everything else career-wise a lot, but yeah. this is something that's kind of almost personal to us in a way. Totally. And Because it, it was, it was that same kind of era. So what are your kind of memories of that? And is there anyone you remember specifically as a, a standout or anyone you enjoyed back then? I remember you very much. Excellent, that's lovely.
1: <laughs> I remember uh, Zena Edwards. Yes, Who's fantastic.
0: She had a, a, such a powerful presence on everything. Like, the, the first time I saw her, it felt like, kind of similar to blogs. I had to pretend oldie knew who she was. Because yes. I was like, well, obviously everyone should know who Zena Edwards yes. is. And it just felt like that. I felt ignorant for it being the first time I'd seen her. Yes.
1: Yeah. Who was the... Um who is the amazing woman that used to... She wasn't a... Well, she was a poet, but she used to sing with the guitar with Miles, her son. Yes. It was Miles and... Um, yeah, I
0: can't remember. I know the exact one. She's a legend.
1: Oh, God, I can't believe that's escaped my tired brain. Anyway, it'll come yeah. back to me as we go. It. My memories of that time are so random. It's yeah. so interesting to see now yeah. what a scene, the spoken yeah. word poetry scene is it's, a, it's an actual scene back yeah. then I don't know how you feel it wasn't really a scene
0: no you it, really had there to wasn't dig, much the, public
1: consciousness no,
0: you had to really dig to find where the next event was yeah. and things like that and and yeah you, you you couldn't really find tons of it online you had to go to one and there'd genuinely be someone flyer for another event yeah yeah and then you go to that and yeah. try and and become
1: part of it all, but I mean, it definitely wasn't being nominated for the Mercury Music Prize. You no, know what I mean? Exactly, Not yeah. in this country, and no. I'm going over to New York since being on the circuit in the scene and seeing what a huge world it is yeah. there. You know, and you can you can be a celebrity on that scene. You know, there's yeah. really well-known people out there, and rightly so because so many of them are incredible. But I just remember being 17 and a bit mad, and yeah. just a group of us got together. At college and we just used to write poetry together amazing create art in bedrooms and hang out i don't know who we think we who we thought we were do you know i think we thought we were these beats this trying to recreate that beat generation sort of vibe which obviously is just so beyond sweet and cute now that i look back it's just so lovely but um we wrote stuff together as a little collective and there was one day specifically where we ended up walking past the vortex yeah uh, jazz bar, which used to be on Stoke Newton Church Street. Yes. Where I'm from. Walk past it. It's now Nando's. It's just still so sad to me that that happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was this tiny, cool jazz bar, and we walked in and we went upstairs, and I think we were there literally just to try and grab a drink because it was the place that was still open. Yeah. And there was poetry happening. Yeah. Poe Jazzy. I
0: yeah. used to run from there. The night was Poe Jazzy. It was Joshua Edahen Moose Rockwonga, and Inuit Ellums were it- all. In a Inua,
1: yep, Inua yeah. is someone I still see, someone I amazing. remember from that time. Yeah. Ni Aqua Parks is someone yeah. else. And we thought, hold on a minute. We've got literally pockets full of poems here. Yeah. Um It's amazing that you were just Why don't we in there? Do- and we blagged ourselves on the on the list to amazing. perform. Who did we think yeah. we were? It's brilliant. I'd never have the confidence to do that now. I love that. And we went up and we each performed a poem. And the guy who ran them, John Paul O'Neill, yeah. obviously we yeah. both know very well, yeah. is so committed yeah. to the poetry uh, scene and to the spoken word. And um, he said, you guys should come back. You should start competing. Yeah. And that was it. It's amazing. It was just, I think I, when I won the slam that I ended up winning, which made me at that time the youngest, I think either UK or London slam champion, Wow. which you then took, I think.
0: Maybe. I don't know. I did a few. It's 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 such a mad s- scene, and it's a beautiful one because again, you've summed it up perfectly. That I'll have people message me saying, like, "How do I become part of a poetry scene?" Or "How do I start?" And at that point, no one was asking those questions. No. They were just doing it. No. And the poetry scene was f- f- five to ten people in a, a room above a pub or totally. above a restaurant. It totally. wasn't. It didn't have to be this big. I've planned it, I've got my experience. It was like, just get... And and, and where I was out in Essex, there was a few nights I'd go to that literally, they've put some seats out in an empty room in a pub and that yeah, was it. But was it. you were seeing people like Kate Tempest and yeah. people like they're all just... And Holly McNish and all these were there and, yeah, just having this impact. And, amazing? Yeah. I remember
1: performing above a pub called um, Britain's Protection in Manchester, right. which is a really legendary pub in Manchester. But, it, you know, this tiny room upstairs and it yeah. was, you know, a pint glass put what you can in yeah. and you know let's just all celebrate art in this very very low-key way but again like you're saying the talent that was on offer was just yeah. it was mind-blowing
0: and he's realizing both sides of it as well because you guys having the boldness to just approach and try and get on the list yeah. you're going to think oh how can we be so bold but equally I know from the promoter side. They're scrabbling for people to get up and fill the slots and fill the time. So it benefits everyone. So it is that kind of people might feel, oh, I could never do it. It's like they probably have a gap for you to fill. So as long as you're up for getting that experience
1: and and throwing yourself out there. It's a time that I remember so uh, vividly just for the sheer arrogance of youth. Yeah, yeah. I look back on that time, and I think that was the incredible confidence slash arrogance of youth. Completely. I would never deign to write a poem and say it in front of a crowd now I think yeah I think the poem that I won the slam that I won with age seventeen was written on the back of um like a fo- like a folder like wow. from college, yeah, yeah it was written on yeah, the yeah. back of my college Real. folder, yeah. Amazing. What it's, an incredible w- way to express yourself at that time. Yeah, it's a
0: beautiful th- thing of the youth side of it to not have those I guess it's to not have the self-consciousness that would yeah. restrict you now. Yeah. Cuz again, I look at I'm doing a thing on where b- 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 I'm going back through an old hard drive and reading some poems I've forgotten about
1: Amazing. 10
0: 15 years old.
1: Amazing. And this About the time we started yeah, trying yeah, to start yeah, yeah, this podcast
0: exactly. Then. <laughs> they're, they're, Yeah, exactly that. They're so Cringy, embarrassing, but they needed to happen because it was that boldness to feel, again, to feel genuinely, i figured it out. I'm going to change it all with this poem. It's like, you're a 17 year old, you're an 18 year old, even older, you're a kid and you think you're the one that, no one's realised this before, I'm going to say it. Oh, it's it's so
1: deeply felt. It's so deeply felt. And of course, you know, performance poetry, any kind of poetry isn't just for young people to go up there and and give it a go. It's for any age and and any walk of life. But there definitely was something about being that young and saying, I've got something to say that I want everyone to here and being encouraged for it not being told to shut up and being at college at the same time and studying these texts and you know I was doing English language and literature at the time and studying Shakespeare and studying Toni Morrison and and going these are all incredible texts and and they're overwhelming and they're brilliant and I'm trying to connect to them and I'm you know also trying to find my place within this institution, do you know what I mean? Because I'm having my own visceral response, but at the same time, I know I'm going to have to do an exam in however long and do a poetry, literally I'm going to have to do a poetry exam. I was still studying for my poetry exams whilst performing poetry and trying to just fit into that institutionalised way of analysing poetry, analysing language. So it was such a brilliant counterbalance to all of that yeah, you know because yeah, I'm, I'm someone who's never really gotten on with institutions of any kind of nature, but because I had that world of my own, yeah, my little secret world, I yeah. felt like I could apply myself at at college in a really different way and go right okay i 'll play the game, yeah, because actually I'm living the game in another you know different dimension,
0: yeah, I love it that's fascinating because it 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 reflects your Career or learning as as an actor as well. I feel because mm. um, I'm reading at the moment. I'm reading um, the David Mamet's book, and I find it oh, is fascinating. Yeah. And he's very he's very anti-establishment, learning yeah. and, and, and and acting schools and acting classes and pro learning on stage in yeah. front of the audience yeah. with the crowd yeah. and you've kind of done both I mean yeah. again it reflects in the poetry as well the fact that you were studying poetry but then also out there doing it so, <laughs> so, so they can say <laughs> oh this isn't good and you can go well it was good on Thursday night so exactly. you can tell me on paper it's not good I can tell you in the room it was good so
2: yeah
0: uh, what have you kind of I guess come to as your belief in 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 a process of of acting, of learning? Because as I said, you started acting at a very young age, yeah, right? And yeah. you've kind of always done that, but then you still chose to go the academic route on yeah, So what's been yeah.
1: your,
0: what have you come to the, a conclusion of, if any conclusion can be come to?
1: Well, I mean, you've instinctively sort of picked it up then, I think, which is I I need the balance. Yeah. I like to know the rules in order to subvert the rules. I thought for a long time 100%. I didn't want to know the rules. Yeah. Because I am someone who has very strong instincts and I was, as you say, someone who was already working from the age of six. I did my first job. It wasn't like I was just doing these classes, which were brilliant classes at the Anna Scher Theatre. And you've had so many ex-Addis members on on this, which I just love. Um, But it was work. Yeah. And... I got to the point when I was 19, I think 20, and I'd been at the Anna Sher Theatre for 14 years. Wow. Doing classes every weekend. I mean, that's every weekend. Friday night, Saturday afternoon for 14 years, all the way through the teens. I mean, you can imagine. I sacrificed a lot of party time. Um, But it was amazing because you worked at the same time. So again, I was doing these freeing, interesting, fun classes With Anna Cher, with all these, you know, incredible, mad... Yeah, we were just all crazy kids. I'm going to be honest. That was Anna Cher's thing. You went there not because you were a stage school kid who wanted to learn how to tap dance and sing and dance and go out there and be this homogenous sort of, you know, massive child stars. Um, We were real and we were always encouraged to be real and keep our quirks and keep our personalities and that that was what was going to be our, you know... Our, our thing that was yeah. what was gonna get us to the artistic places that we wanted to get to but at the same time I was in the institution of work yeah um, yeah so when I got to 19 I thought I'm being pigeonholed here right I've got to be really careful I've I sensed it yeah uh, I'm playing a lot of prostitutes I'm right. a lot of yeah. thieves yeah uh, I'm a lot of marginalised roles yeah I know that I need to go and be in possession of the techniques if I Mm. want to really have longevity.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: And I felt that. And so I applied to drama school, not because anyone helped me to do it, but because I found a prospectus on the desk at college, in the common room, on a table. And it had three drama schools in it. And I applied to all three of them. I got into one. Wow. So that's... Oh, no, I got into two. And I wanted to go to Manchester. Again, point being, as soon as I got there, I knew I was in a bit of trouble right because <laughs> i knew the institution was gonna mm, i didn't trust it it's it's such a tough one because the,
0: the first acting gig i got or the first feedback i got on audition on an audition that i got the role for was that the reason i got the role was because i didn't feel like a drama yeah. student. and it was yeah. it, it was an american series but all medieval england and they were saying 90 oh, percent of the of the British casting was very Shakespearean over the top and I just went and did it because they said just do it kind of as you but in their words I was like all right I'll do that yeah and that's what they liked but equally I think that can cause you to get lazy if you go well just you interpret it yourself it's it's a tough one the thing I found great with the David uh, Moment book is I think it's I would be scared if I ever found something that that I just agreed with a hundred percent that's it because then i'd probably think well i'm being blind here in some way his chapter on casting directors i didn't agree with at all because it's really negative every 90 percent of casting directors i've met have been absolutely amazing and really positive people but there's loads in there that has just blown me away it's that kind of read a couple of pages and then sit there and think about it for a bit so yeah i think it's good to have that learn from under as many trees as you can and go well that bit's that's bullshit that's that's frilly yeah, nonsense, and yeah. that bit is is gold. I guess I'm
1: going to butcher a Jungian quote here. Yeah. I'm just going to butcher it. Um, it's learn your techniques well, yeah, but be ready to let them go when you touch the human soul, yeah. And that's love it. for me. That's my mantra. Yeah, I. I wanted to learn techniques. I knew that I was operating in an industry that I would have to work 10 times harder to get roles mm-hmm. um, in and uh, that there is something about having a, deg- a degree, yeah. the end of the day, having a degree, having a level of training, that if you're a woman of colour running out onto the scene, you, I just, kn- I just knew I'd benefit from yeah. having it yeah. for myself, yeah, yeah, knowing that I had something undeniable, yeah. that I had a training. Do
0: you think it gives you a little backup of confidence as well, to say, no, I've, I've done this, I've got this qualification, I've got this or I've got that, to kind of give you that justification, that reason to, to yeah, be there? Yeah,
1: it's not, it's not the confidence I need for myself, but yeah. I just feel like, again, to dismantle the master's house, you're going to need to use the master's tools yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, it. Do you yeah, know what I mean? It's like, I've got to come out with the master's tools here. Yeah. And um, they're not for me, yeah. but I know what they are for and they are helping me, you yeah. know, uh, breathing techniques and, you know, uh, techniques on learning how to approach a script. I'm, I'm still using to this day, yeah, I love that. but it was more that I knew I would just need it as a sheet, as some kind of shield. And, yeah. and, um, and I've spent a long time since drama school uh, trying to really unlearn yeah. so much that yeah. um, that happened there because it can be somewhere that breaks you down. Yeah, and especially if you're confident and if you have a voice and you have a, a strong way yeah. about you, it, you can be targeted. You know, yeah. and I, and I I was to a certain extent um, without playing tiny violin about it, but again. What was amazing is in my final year, you do your dissertation, right? So it's the same as any dissertation. You go (laughs) away and you individually decide what you want to present that shows your three years of learning. Um, But it just so happened at drama school. You can also do a performance-based thing. It's not just written. So you have the written dissertation and and you have the performance. And I did a devised piece with a friend of mine um, that was essentially like a feminist bit of agit-punk... Theatre? Yeah. It was brilliant. Still to this day, I'm like, it was brilliant.
2: Yeah.
1: And we got slammed. Oh, wow. We got so slammed. And I was like, right, I'm not having this. So a few days later, we uh, remounted it at um, a theatre that used to exist in Manchester, which is just so sad. It's not there anymore, called The Green Room, which was the most experimental theatre you can get in, in Manchester, probably at that time. And we pitched it to them. And they were like, we want to commission this next year. Wow, And I knew that we wouldn't be there, but that was what I needed to and, uh, see, yeah. like you're uh, saying, to exist outside of those walls. Yeah,
0: and it's it's n- knowing to trust your own instinct and, 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 you, and your own strength. So I had a really weird a message on social media recently, and I, I never read my Instagram d- d- DMs for some reason. It's not There's so many social medias, it's not one that I keep as big an eye on. But I had a message from someone who was saying that they had listened to the podcast and it had made them decide to get back into acting and they went wow. and had an audition and they performed a, a, a one of my pieces in the way I perform it in, in one of my music videos amazing. and they got the role amazing. and it was amazing and inspirational but, but also it made me go I need to remember what m- my strengths are as well yeah. I'm doing all this to try and learn how I am as an actor study all these different books and try and develop because I've started so late
2: Yeah.
0: and it was a little reminder to go well maybe I should be Bringing a bit more of that in, into the right rooms, into the right auditions, and going, here's what I can do. Like, yes. I, this is if someone is going and playing me in an audition and getting the role, then why can't it was I like a just reminder play of me, me yeah, in the audition? Exactly. And it's, That's it was hysterical. a nice little really inspirational reminder to go, right, there's strengths that I'm ignoring at present because I'm so yes. obsessed with. The techniques and finding these characters and finding all this it's like right I've, yeah. you know there's the spoken word background there's stage there's all this it's
1: yeah. It's a fascinating one it's well self-awareness is something you're really supposed to keep at bay when you do yeah. what we do you yeah. know because you have to do the thing and yeah. leave it to the audience to decide what what it is you know there's no point 100%. going in and patting yourself on the back yeah. or you know equally tearing yourself down when you're in the middle of doing a poem or a monologue or a song or whatever but you're right. It, it can get to a point where you've you've removed self-awareness so much that you're not actually taking yeah. stock of what 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 makes you you and yeah. what makes the artist in you speak to other people. Yeah, I, I think that's such a brilliant thing. I played you and someone liked it. Yeah, and I'm like, well, <laughs> what? <Got to> play <laughs> myself no, I should be a doing that yeah. a bit more. Yeah. But honestly, I feel honestly screwed. So I think that's the point I've got to in my life where I'm like, why have I cast myself in such a terrible role yeah yes. i should just cast myself as this amazing leading woman in my own life completely I, I i i you know i i know lots of people feel like this that you wake up one day and sort of think to yourself why have i cast myself as, as a supporting role in my yeah. own life and that's um i think what you're describing there is really the moment you get a nudge from the universe yeah which is saying step into your power step into your self you Completely. Know,
0: and which that takes time it must be a tough one i mean you, you kind of touch upon it a few times in your book but it's something that comes to mind anyway if you've had from from the time that you're developing as a person as mm-hmm. your own character you're having to play so many characters yeah it must be really tough to know who you are and to find who you are cuz a yeah. reading it, it it the times it it touched upon that it, i i really related because And it made me go and sit and and think about it a bit, because I was like, well, I play Scroobius Pip to all these people on social media or whatever else. But then I kind of came to the conclusion that, well, that's because I've made myself into who I want to be. Scroobius Pip is who I want to be. Therefore, I've worked to become that. Therefore, it's not a character. It is me. It is me being me. And it it was a really interesting one to kind of try and break down, because, again, it is hard if you're so used to... Even removing our industries. If you're at work, you might have to play a certain character if you're in the 100%. office or whatever else. And then it starts to be, well, who is the real me? So how yeah. have you found that? And, yeah, how's that kind of affected you over the years? Because from such an early age, mm. the reason it stood out to me was it was in the developmental years. Yes. I didn't have that. I grew yes. up just being me, had the developmental years, and then started yeah. to look into other stuff. But you, yeah. from that early age, it's like, well, no, you're this person, and now you're that person. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I, I think it's probably just manifested itself as a full-on split personality (laughs) disorder. I'm I'm joking, and I'm not poking fun at split personality disorders, but I think there is something to be said for suddenly realising how many roles you've been playing for years. And again, I think that is such a universal thing. I don't think that's just an actory thing. I was made aware of it much younger, as you say, because I started being other people at a very, very fragile stage in my cognitive development but I just I I don't know I I just find it fascinating just how many roles we do play as people and and I think so much about writing this book is has that actually just been about accepting that and giving myself a bit of credit because everyone does it I don't know if I believe in this who is the real you there are relationships I've made in the past year where I've gone oh wow I really like myself when I'm with that person Mm. I'm different I'm parts of me that I didn't really know existed have come out I like this so to think that we have to sort of set this cake tin and then it'll be cooked and that's you slice it up and give it out it's just insane it is
0: uh, there's a Fernando Pessoa had it uh, 's got a book called the book of disquiet um and in that he another talks about it's it's it 's my favorite book it blew it was uh, another one it's like i read a it's it's weird because it 's not in chapters it was all f- found after he died and it 's right. kind of a collection of his notes and right. ideas but in that he talks about how he his belief is that that we never truly love anyone else and that sounds really negative oh, I and i've love kind of, that. I've, I've, I've had this discussion oh, I it's love, been a bad oh, discussion in relationships in the past but, <laughs> um his point is it's because we can never truly know someone else because we always put on some kind of mask whoever we're around i will be different around my old schoolmates than yeah. i am around my on-set mates i'll yeah. be different around my mum than yeah. i am even around my dad potentially yeah, of you know? course It doesn't mean anything's false, but it means that the person that we're madly in love with is the version of them that we've created in our mind rather than the reality of them because we can never know the reality of someone. As you said, Mm. there probably isn't a reality of anyone. We don't – that true you, that true self. And it's always blown my mind. And every time – often I'll try and talk about it. Again – it's not gone down well when, like, there's been a new relationship and we're having a late night chat, and I'm going, "Yeah, I don't really you know believe I, in love. You know I don't think I it's could a... never truly love you, right? <laughs> and, and you could never truly love me because you will never know me." It's Like, <laughs> yeah. all right, this sounds like a great relationship, uh-huh. but, um, but it's a fascinating one, and it plays to what you were saying there of the real you. Yeah, it's a fiction. It's a fiction to you and to everyone else. But yeah, it's, it's not negative. The point I always try yes. and make when explaining that topic is, I'm not saying it as a negative thing. It's yeah. just a reality that yeah, we've got all these different versions and and, and, and parts of ourselves yeah. that we don't necessarily want to show to every person that we meet. And rightfully so.
1: I agree. And, uh, and you know, as I start to talk about the book, and I haven't talked about it that much, this is probably like the fifth time yeah. I've talked yeah. about it in an interview situation. Yeah. Where And the talking about it is the understanding it for me. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't share it really when I re- first wrote it because I was – too scared. I, I yeah. was, it was secretive. It was my thing. And also I had to really try and convince my brain that it wasn't actually happening. Otherwise I think I would have gone into meltdown. Yeah. But every person I talk to who's an intelligent and, and, and open person like yourself gives me like a um another title for the book. Yeah. And that's what I use to, to try and understand it. And what you just said then, the real you is a fiction yeah. could be an alternative yeah. title of my book. Completely. Because I do believe that. I um have been listening and um watching a lot of videos uh of a brilliant relationship counsellor called Esther Perel right. in research for betrayal, which I'm yeah. doing now. And she talks about love, obviously. She's a relationship counsellor. Yeah. Love the complications of being in a relationship with someone else. Mm. And specifically when I was watching Suffer Betrayal, what potentially that moment is when you look outside of the relationship. Yeah, You know, infidelity is an unfortunate and inconvenient truth. We are primal beings and we're interesting, complicated beings. And she talks about when you try and look outside of a relationship or when you have love and you start looking for other love outside of that love, what you could what you are potentially looking for is your other self. Yeah. That it's actually not about that other person. Yeah. It's about you fi- finding or needing another self. So I completely agree with you on what you yeah, said there. I, I don't that. know that it's a fact of not ever being able to love someone else. But I do believe that loving someone else isn't as simple as here's someone standing in front of uh, in front of yeah. me and i love them yeah it's always related to where you are yeah. individually as yourself
0: completely completely so how is it um i, I mean let's uh, let's get on to betrayal how is it to be part of 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 something i i like that because it's it's an amazing piece it's an incredibly intimate piece on stage there's only th- three of you in 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 the main roles um and again, it's, it's, it's Charlie Cox and, um, and Tom Hiddleston, so it's huge names. How's that been to kind of lose yourself in that and f- find the character and then equally maintain the character for an extended run mm. where you're doing it constantly, week mm. after week, mm. a couple of times a day on some days? How mm. is that all as a process?
1: Uh, I think we're just held up by Harold, to be honest. Yeah. The, pin- the pinter of it all is, is so deep. Yeah. His work is so deep. And yeah. it's addictive. And the three of us are such a, we're such a team. We've actually been nicknamed the thruple. Great. So, it's actually it. a thing, thruple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because since day one, we've just, we've just really bonded. And I can honestly say I've never been so happy at work. I, I never say that. Yeah. It's really important to be able to say that sometimes. Yeah. You don't have to be miserable at work. I thought that was just something that went along sometimes with being at work. Which it's of such a British
0: thing. Which that, of course If you're it not is. miserable in a job, then it's not real work.
1: It's not real work. Yeah. Come on, what are you doing? You're, having, you're having a laugh, aren't you? You're getting paid yeah. for it. But this is honestly one of the most transformative experiences I've ever had. And, and I think that is because we are three actors who are all very, very similar ages to the character. You know, it's all very real yeah. it's all very i mean Harold's work is just so brutally beautiful yeah. that i just think it just goes to the core of people you know when you're yeah. really talking about people you know yeah. if we're going to do play about relationships let's not all be riding unicorns and you know yeah. blowing heart shaped bubbles out of our yeah asses let's actually go into what loving yeah. is about and like you're saying where it can take you in 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 your emotional life yeah and this is a play about a woman who has a set you know it's not about her specifically it's about three people but I play a woman who's had this affair for seven years and kept it secret from her husband and she's having the affair with her husband's best friend and there's a betrayal between the two of them obviously because their relationship is so strong and that's life and the way Harold writes is so poetic in fact I've got a book of his poems up there and he's a poet yeah yeah but he also understands that Where there's love, sometimes there's also hate and there can be violence and there can be self-hate and there can be um, tenderness and there can be brutality. And and, uh, I think we've just all really absorbed it and getting it right, getting the way he writes right, along with the pauses and the silences that just, you know, I mean, they make my stomach drop out every night because it's so hard to just shut up on stage and trust that it's going to carry. But its um, I think it's really gotten under all of our skins and we're just loving it.
0: It it must be amazing to have a piece to work with that you can have that much faith and trust in. Again, another thing in the book I'm reading at the moment is just saying, it's not being disrespectful, but it's saying the actors, it's not your job to make the play good. It's your job to perform the... The actions and needs of your character. Yes. Everything else, that's on the writer. The player's got that covered. If it's that's rubbish, it. it'll be rubbish. You that's can't it. solve that. If that's it's great, it. it'll be great. That's it. Almost in in spite of what you do up there. You know, that's you it. can you can bring the most out of it. And that's it. That's what it feels like with Pin. It's just the thing I loved when I came along was the amount of laughs that aren't played for yeah. in any way. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just it's totally. there, and none of you are playing for laughs or doing anything to push the laughs. You're playing no. it all as a reality, yeah. and there's so many points that you shouldn't be laughing at it because it's a really dark, harsh thing that's been
1: said, and you're like, <laughs> do you know? You're and, Pint- up. and Pinter called it a comedy. Yeah, yeah. He called it a comedy, and you think, how can this brutal, <laughs> unbelievably sad play be a comedy? And that's Harold. Um, and it is. It's really, really funny. And it's also, what's the word I'm looking for? You you can be a conduit for this play. yeah. Because Harold has written it from such a personal place. I mean, you know, people try and simplify it and say, oh, it's based on the affair he had famously with Joan Bakewell, you know, and things like that. And that's oversimplifying it. But I think when you are an actor and you are working on material that has clearly come from the absolute, well of truth inside yeah. an artist you just feel it yeah and you just can be a conduit you you don't have to redraft it as you're going yeah, you know completely and you forget to work on good writing as you know as an actor is it can be really really rare yeah and you do end up playing a couple of roles you know like, oh god right i'm an editor here yeah to cut yeah. that line <laughs> right and get rid <laughs> of that oh no that's terrible right i'm gonna have to be a sort of producer on this line and yeah. you know end up making sure that i've got an interesting outfit because actually when i say these words they're so boring how's anyone going to stay awake um <laughs> yeah. and with with Harold's work yeah you do just get to to get on with the intuiting and uh, and the spiritual elements of yeah. acting that i i enjoy
0: how's it been taking it from rehearsal to in front of people because it's it's another thing that struck me that some of those moments of lightness you probably can't identify until there's an audience in front of you. You, you know, in, in, in rehearsal, you might oh. not have known that that's a funny point. But Squibs. now there's kind of a pause because there's laughter there, you know.
1: I died on our first preview.
0: Yeah.
1: I went, oh, shit. Everyone else is in a comedy and I'm in a yeah. drama. I was yeah. like, oh, no. Because there was this laughter that we'd, as you've you are saying, we'd obviously played... never yeah. heard. And I thought, oh, great. I'm just the woman who comes on and is sort of wringing her hands and sort of desperately, you know, emoting all over the place. And and actually the holding of the nerve is to do what you've rehearsed. Yeah. Because that audience is powerful. Any audience is powerful. But they will try and make it the play they want to see. Yeah. If they want it to be a comedy, they're gonna drag you into a comedy. And if they want it to be a drama, they're gonna be silent as the grave. I love that.
0: That's so exciting though, as an organic yeah. thing yeah. To, to be involved in that it is an an interaction rather than a, yeah. an offering, you know?
1: A hundred percent. It's sticking to what we rehearse and we rehearse in a very organic way. Jamie Lloyd has directed the play. Is, I mean, the direction's amazing. It? it looks
0: stunning. The movement of the stage and everything is just mind blowing.
1: Sutra Gilmore designed our set, which is, I mean, if you want to come just to see the set, just come and see yeah, the set. Yeah, yeah. Um, John Clark, who just won an Olivier on Sunday for another thing that he did, he's just a genius. And he did our incredible lighting, which is very filmic. And yeah. it, 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 just, it just works with the triangle. You know, we've got these incredible s- shadows on the back of our stage. And, and yeah. usually this play is not staged with the other person in a scene but the three of us stay on stage the entire time and so you just get the sense of this web that they're all in you know i I veered off my my answer really (laughs) but harold pinted fame he liked his actors to be you know confrontational yeah he had so many so many bad reviews at the beginning people saying this is awful you know plays coming off early And he talks about, um, I think, a performance maybe in New York. I forget of which play. Maybe it was a Birthday Party or maybe it was a Caretaker. I can't remember. And he said what he loved was watching people, like, fidget and maybe want to move and be totally uncomfortable and see the actors on the stage just like, God, help me, I am going to finish this play and you're (laughs) going to wait until the end. And he said by the end, the audience loved them. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a real lesson as an actor when you go... You cannot work for an audience. You have to work yeah for the truth of what you've created and just trust that the response you get will be the truthful response and the right response.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's being it's it's having faith in in the art of it all, I yeah. guess. Or or the balance of the art of it all and the awareness that it's a it's a performance. As I said, the the crowd are part of it. It's it's submitting to that but knowing that you're Yeah. here's what I set out to do and here's what Exactly. Here's what works. Are you? This bit's going to be a bit weird. I made a note of it, and I tried to word it so it doesn't make me sound like a psychopath. Ah. But, um, are you a fan of art? Because Velvet Buzzsaw, I, I really enjoyed, oh, and it's thank it's an amazing. You. Look at the at the art world. It was great. The year before, a film called The Square, Square came out, which is also a Reuben, it was yeah. my film of the year. It's yeah, just amazing. Same. But I also really enjoyed Random Acts. And the weird part here that makes me sound like a stalker is I went to the opening. Of the tape, Britain, and I remember yes. seeing you there, and we didn't particularly know each other, but I'd watched oh, Fresh Meat recently, oh, and I was, I, like, I
2: was like, "That's the title of
0: Fresh Meat, isn't it?" Oh, <laughs> and kind of. So hysterical. it made me think. It, it then, when Random Acts, which is a lot of art stuff, and when yeah, this came out, I was like, "Well, yeah. I know I've seen you at art stuff, so I know yeah. there's a love of art there as well. Yeah. So is that is that part of taking these particular roles, or does that make it exciting when it's like Random Acts was this amazing kind of celebration of?" Odd art, unusual stuff that wouldn't be out there, and Velvet uh, Buzzsaw is really again another kind of damning look at the art world, but also a celebratory look at the art world. So, yeah, yeah, how much does art play a part in your life? And
1: Um, and it plays a big part in my life. I think I didn't realise how much so. I got cast in this Tom Ford film called *Nocturnal Animals* as a gallery owner, as a Which gallery is assistant. Sorry, amazing
0: as well, right? Amazing I loved for that film. Love that
1: film. You know, two minutes of heaven with me. I mean, blink and you miss it. But <laughs> I, I was suddenly like, oh, I sort of feel like I really suit this world. Yeah. Um, and then it was just weirdly again. Then I was cast as an, someone else who worked in the gallery in, in Velvet yeah. Buzzsaw, and then I uh, I end up doing a documentary for the Tate um for their Soul of an Nation exhibition right. yeah, and yeah, yeah. um that was amazing because I went and, and met this incredible um abstract performance artist called Lorena O'Grady who I'd always I'd always wondered about her name was kind of always in my atmosphere or in, in my subconscious because of um a La Tigre track
2: right
1: that says her name yeah and yeah, um, yeah. says the name of all these brilliant feminist icons and says Lorraine O'Grady and and so suddenly I was on my way to interview her and I was like, this has always sort of been in my mind. So I think the art world is something that's kind of always been in my subconscious, but it was when I started getting cast in these roles yeah. that it sort of obviously came into the conscious realm. I, I just, I think I just like abstract yeah. things. It's it's such a fascinating world to put on,
0: on camera because it's so... Kind of almost similar to the film industry. It's so ludicrous and yeah. so stupid and pointless, but yeah. also so important and so essential. So it's essential. such a weird juxtaposition of totally. and, and and both Velvet Buzzsaw and and The Square. I think both tr- trod that line beautifully of making you get to the point where you're like, this is all so ludicrous, and then making one little point going. Oh, man, that's beautiful. That's actually but really beautiful. <laughs> it God is it. so God true. damn it, I was so looking down my nose at this, and damn. now you've gone, look at this, <laughs> you're like, ah, oh,
2: <laughs>
0: wow.
1: I think that world just treads the line that, you know, you said earlier in, in the conversation that I tread, which yeah. is this line between true artistic instinct and primal, um, his, historic, ancestral... Yeah vibes um and commerciality yeah, yeah. you know institutional worlds uh, i i don 't know i I just like that line, yeah. and, and I think the artists who I really love are the ones who somehow manage to kind of use use the world to their own ends and yeah. ne- and, and be them and get success and get notoriety and get seen because essentially you want your art to be seen yeah but also never, ever, ever lost themselves. I'm doing the Sky Arts um, portrait prize tomorrow. So I'm a actually going to sit still oh, wow. for four hours. I've never oh, had wow. my portrait done before. Yeah. And usually this would be the kind of thing that I would hate. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. I, I feel like there's something in, and, and actually they're basing that um, particular episode on Basket on the Life and Work of Basquiat, yeah. who's one of my favourite artists of all time. Same, yeah. His it's work, it, it makes me cry. Yeah. I look at it and I just start crying. Yeah. yeah it yeah, doesn't yeah, matter yeah. that it's like bright yellow and yeah. zany. Yeah. I just feel the pain. Yeah. And having my portrait done tomorrow feels like it's sort of bringing everything together, a bit like what you're saying. Yeah. My love of art, my love of abstraction, my love of interpretation, my love of character, my love of truth, my love of the moving image, the still image everything it feels like by sitting tomorrow to have my portrait done I get to sort of capture this moment that is happening for me at the moment and work aside it's happening for me Zowie I'm at this precipice right now where I just feel like I'm just starting to get it I'm starting to understand it childhood coping mechanisms are starting to fade away my adult self and that was in the writing of the book, actually. That was the part of the catharsis. My adult self is suddenly, you know, suddenly stepping through and I just feel in flow. You know, yeah, in flow, yeah, when yeah. you're just in flow. Yeah. It's I love beautiful. it. I love it when
0: you can, again, it's the realisation that you can't r- r- realise at the time, but all of these things that you've gone through are leading to something or are totally. teaching you something. And yeah. again, it's such a simple thing to say to people, because I said, in the moment, it it doesn't mean a thing. No. It doesn't mean, it doesn't help in any way, but no. it is beautiful when you get there. It's, it's something, I, I spoke to Winston Duke, um, who was in Black Panther and is in Us. Um, mm, can't wait and, to see us. And it's great. And, I can't and wait. He I'm talked dying. about, and it's something I want to kind of talk to, to you about. In, in, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll frame it there first. Mm. I was really, I was reluctant. I try not to be that interviewer that goes, so what's it like being a woman? Because yeah. <laughs> it's so shit. But, yeah. It just struck me, particularly from reading the book, that you're someone mm. who's been in the industry during the period when you're treated v- very different for being a woman yeah. or for being a yeah. person of colour. Mm. And now we're at a point where both of those are having kind of a, a renaissance, a, a, a renaissance mm. in need. It, it's tough to say renaissance because it, it suggests that they ever were given the opportunity that they deserved in the yeah. first place, but they're, they're kind of having this push through. Mm. Um And it's a beautiful thing. And when I spoke Mm. to Winston Duke about it, he was saying, he put it perfectly, he said he spent the first 15 to 20 years of his career preparing Mm. for a revolution he didn't know was coming. And now he's in Black Panther, he's in us. He's like, I was prepared. But the beauty there is that he was preparing for it without even knowing it's coming. Do you know what I mean? That's what I loved was that he was studying, he was learning, potentially to be in the background or to be... The black best friend in another, in in the only obvious roles that are about. And it's going to be a similar thing for for when you came up. Again, like when I had Riz Ahmed on four years ago now, Mm. or five years ago now, he he spoke of going to America to get Mm. good roles because in the UK, so much of the uh, home production was period. And they didn't particularly like having brown people in no. period stuff in his words. so no. he went to america and was suddenly playing interesting characters and deep and rich characters yeah. so how have you found that i guess I'm, I'm i'm stumbling around the 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 transition from as you said at 19 being cast a lot as prostitutes yeah. and and, mm. and and people on the wrong side mm. of the tracks mm. to now being art gallery owners mm. and things mm. like that and that mm. that change have you felt it and have you been conscious of it i guess
1: um i don't think i have been that conscious of it that's probably the Eeyore ish part of my personality, oh. which is a big part. I feel, I love I'm I'm just sort of rolling that that phrase around in my head a bit, yeah. the preparing for a revolution. Yeah. Preparing for a revolution. I think for me, because I started so young and because I grew up through such a different time. Well actually I'm gonna be honest, the nineties yeah. felt like a great time. Right. For uh, a better time, weirdly for people of color, maybe certainly on television. You know, we had shows yeah. like Desmond's The real McCoy. Yeah, sure, um, there felt like there were lots of TV hosts of color. I don't know. I just and then it kind of went south a bit, and you never saw black people on TV ever. Certainly yeah. not playing it seemed to family that weird thing of long them going, running oh, family, family dramas. Yeah, oh, we've done that
0: now. It's like, which you means you've done done that. There's we're there's a still lot more. Here. Yeah, yeah, hello,
1: we haven't gone yeah. anywhere. So I think for me, again, because I started at such a young age, for me, it's all, it's been about the human revolution. I think it's been been about my own personal human revolution. And that is what has led me to the work that I'm supposed to be doing. I tried to stop at the end of 2017. I'm sort of telling everyone, and there's not really any reason to tell anyone, but yeah, it's part of my journey. <laughs> I tried to quit acting. I yeah. thought I'm not suited to this. I don't feel like there are many artists left. I I, I don't know where the work that is going to make me feel super nourished is, yeah. um, because it's just certain work that I just know I'm meant for and that I can do. Yeah. Again, I c- I consider myself to be an abstract artist and. If you are a woman of colour and that is the work you want to do, I've found that you can struggle because yeah. there will be doors that open to you if you are offering up a literal story of your experience. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot of this when I did this this um, uh, documentary for the Tate and talked to Lorraine O'Grady and she put it in brilliant words. You know, she said that there were artists who were doing work who were artists of colour that got bought up and sold because they were telling the story of their experience or of their pain as people of colour in this extremely up and down, easy to box Mm. way, you know, in a photographic way, a literal way. And she was coming out on the scene going, I'm telling the same story, but I'm going to stand in a huge warehouse or, you know, room and whip myself with hundreds of pairs of white gloves to represent um, yeah. colonialism. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and people yeah, go, yeah. okay, that's the work that yeah, we yeah. do not want to give yeah. any kind of platform to. Yeah. So I think for <laughs> me it's really been about holding my nerve as a as someone who is of colour and a woman and also abstract. Cause when I wanted to stop, I just felt there wasn't space for that. Yeah. And now, since wanting to quit, I did velvet buzzsaw it's an abstract, beautiful, bonkers thing from the, you know, the brilliant mind of Dan Gilroy, you know, him and I collaborated in such an incredible way. And I was like, Oh yeah, there are artists who are out there trying to say something really different and want to use people like me who aren't the norm for roles like this, because that's how they see the world. Not because they're doing any favors to anyone, but this is how they see the world. And that was a beautiful, transformative experience for me from a career standpoint and from a personal standpoint and now I'm doing Betrayal. I think yeah. I'm, you know, I'm probably the first dual heritage woman to play this role in this, yeah. uh, you know, age old, brilliant British classic. And that feels abstract and brilliant too. And the play is challenging and not literal and not, you know, one thing. And, and, and that's, that's the work I want to do. So I think there is a revolution happening, but, for me it's all been about a personal revolution yeah yeah do you plan
0: on writing at all for for tv for film for, for the stage because the book the the structure of it is it's parts of it are written as sides yeah the real life the kind of real life engagements are written as sides and the the work type bits yeah. are written as as prose almost and it's <laughs> it's i, I love
1: tells you how i see the world doesn't yeah it? yeah yeah again but
0: i love that as a as a, a setup and as as a as a, a straightforward forward explanation of the dual world of, of yeah. living as or gr- growing up as an actor. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's 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 something that's, that struck me as you, as you were speaking then that it's like number 1 I'm glad you didn't leave it. I was going to say give up, but I think that's a negative term. Leave yeah. in 2017. Yeah. But number 2 that you can create the roles that you want and yeah. create the worlds that you want to uh, work yeah. in and that's kind of an exciting Thing I feel like I'm constantly referencing this this David Mamet book again. It's, oh, I've got I've to still read it. I still don't I don't agree with all of it. of it, but still a thing he he talks about a lot in there is he's again he comes from more theatre. He talks a bit about film, but in general, it's he's talking about theatre, but it translates across. And he's saying that the true beauty is when you realise that you can start your own theatre and start yes. your own productions and yes. not chase Hollywood and not chase yes. uh, Broadway and this yes. kind of thing. And that feels like, again, from what you were saying there, yeah. of this feeling of negativity towards the roles that were available, but then yeah. having seen how your mind works and how you write, it yeah. seems logical to go, well, and I know you've you've written and directed yeah. some shorts in yeah, the past, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, it just seemed logical then to go, well, create them, create these worlds yeah. and create these environments that have been influenced by the people you've loved working with yes. and that you've loved being in, engaged in this totally. world with. and. Equally as influenced by those you haven't enjoyed
1: yeah. and those scenarios 100%. and situations, you know. That's so. such a great point. That's such a great point. Yes, I am, I am writing and, you know, have, I had a long period of time where I was sort of trapped in developmental hell with things yeah. and that can really, really knock your confidence. But I'm so ready to be the center of the work. You know, but yeah. I think my journey right now is attempting to be the subject and object of yeah, what yeah, I do yeah. and whether that's in my life or in my work. And Amazing. that's totally, uh, that has everything to do with writing. Yeah. At the end of the day, the writer is the reason everyone shows up in the fucking first place. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? They get treated so badly writers. Um, yeah. I, I am writing something for myself. I want to write something feature length anyway to direct because I just, Again, I'm just, I've just got the capacity for it now. Yeah. I've just got the capacity to sort of see something in my mind's eye through an artistic lens that lasts 90 minutes rather than 15 minutes. Yeah. That's just something that's just come upon me recently. Timing, it? It's
0: so much about timing. That yeah. is Again, it's finding that place, not even in necessarily in your professional life, but in your own life, that it you're in that place to, to, to have that faith and trust in, in in an idea or in a project or in a vision.
1: It has to be. I mean, a really good way to... Sum up my experience really as a writer is um, the journey of a play I wrote ten years ago when I was twenty four called for all the women who thought they were mad, and I wrote that as part of the Royal Court Young Writers Group and it was shortlisted for their you know really you know notorious and big festival Uh, and that was a massive moment and we had an incredible reading there and the play showed so much promise it's um it's really about the very quiet and yet deadly epidemic uh which is to do with black women or women from the african diaspora and their relationship to medication in the west Mm. uh their relationship to the institution hospitals to institutions in general but specifically hospitals in this play and how if you go into a, a gp's office or into an er or whatever it might be and there's a cultural gap in your communication with the people who's supposed to helping you you can end up in a very very dire situation yeah. you can end up over medicated you can end up losing yourself yeah. i don't know if i've described that right but but it's the play is a hot potato put it yeah. that way and every single character bar one is a black woman yeah. and uh, most of them are over the age of 30 40 yeah, yeah. so i'm this 24 year old carting around this play that people who read it are so drawn to it but at the same time run from it like it's a bomb yeah, about to be let yeah, off because of, of the components that make it what it is and the way that people read on the page black women this is never going to make money black women over the age of right okay this definitely isn't going to make money <laughs> yeah, oh this yeah. is about a, an epidemic that no one really wants to talk about okay we're definitely not yeah. doing this play and i had this really we i was sort of 10 years in the wilderness with this play to be honest mm. because people didn't want to do it Again, I, like I said, people were so attracted to it, loved it, wanted to work on it, wanted me to workshop it, all this stuff, and would never commit. Yeah. And I thought, this is starting to be a this is a metaphor here. Yeah. This is yeah. such a long time that I'm receiving this treatment. Yeah. This is a metaphor of what's happening in my industry. Yeah, yeah. Um. And the way the women and the peop- the people in this play are being treated is exactly what I've written about. Yeah this is just be this is too meta really for me now uh and I tried to put it in a drawer and walk away from it and a brilliant company called Hackney Showroom made me bring it out and suddenly 10 years later we're doing a production of it completely independently fine in you know producer has reached out and we're funding it and we're doing it at Stoke Newington Town Hall at the end of this year but then also it's going to go on at Soho Rep in New York which is one of my favourite theatres so it's sort of again it's just that holding your nerve thing yeah if you've got something to say that is not the norm you, yeah. you might have to wait a bit a bit longer so that's a really long way of saying my relationship to writing now is it is about being the object and the subject and trying to make work as independently as possible it's rather be- than wait for the you know
0: yeah the invite it's beautiful because again it's that it's having faith as we started kind of in 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 your in you in your voice and what yeah. you believe the art to be because at the end of the day it is art so there's going to be people who don't like it yeah and that's the that you can't l- l- let that dampen your enthusiasm obviously you can analyze and you can you know r- reassess yeah. but you can't l- l- let it dampen it and yeah I love that that ten years on it's like no it's still still there and and it's gonna happen now it's gonna
1: gonna happen it's gonna happen in two places at the same (laughs) at the same time it is it is mind-blowing and it is you know again Pinter springs to mind you know people slating him saying this is abominable work this is dangerous work and now here I am sat in the Harold Pinter Theatre, yeah, exactly. in the centre of the West End, at yeah. the end of one of the most epic seasons of his work. Yeah, it's just it's a lesson in 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 holding your nerve and and being as honest with yourself about who you are. Yeah, that's the only that's the only way I'm getting things done at the moment. To be honest,
0: I love it. I'll I'll wrap things up now, as I want you to have some time to relax and rest <laughs> before, before, before on. But <laughs> just before we do, I mean, we've gone this whole time and we've not talked about. Of fresh meat at all, ah. and that was the one that really—it's—it's it's where I first kind of found you or or knew Because again, you've been in a lot of things, but it was always yeah. this was a real. It was was it must have been such a great role, right? Because it was such a standout character in a show of standout characters yeah. as such. So yeah. how was that to be part of? It felt like it looked like it was a lot of, of, of fun. So yeah, it was the best. Yeah. It
1: was the best time. You've you rarely get chances in your life to have a coming of age again yeah. and every single one of us on that show did. Yeah. Cuz we we ha- we did have a second student done. Yeah. As yeah. adults. Yeah, yeah, completely. It was just it, it was It was just one of the best times of my life. And to have your head go above the parapet, which is really what happened at that time. Like you're saying, you know, you're slogging away and doing the whole thing. And, you know, as the phrase goes, it takes a lifetime to become a newcomer and that's all fine. But, you know, I'd already been working 20 odd years and then suddenly your head goes above the parapet with something like fresh meat. It was... Oh, it was am- it was amazing. And, you and want the beauty of it being such an ensemble piece as yeah. well was a thing that got me. Was there it's wasn't? Ensemble. There's not yeah.
0: really a lead. No. Every character you could, whoever watches it could see someone else as as the lead. And that again, that must be a great thing to work on because it feels like it probably takes a bit of the pressure off because yeah. no one is, and it takes ego away as well because no 100%. one is walking around being,
1: well, this is my show, really. And if and if you did, you would fall so flat on your face. Yeah it's 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 on it's ensemble comedy drama yeah. at its purest and i think that's what people responded to as well as you're saying it was i don't know i think it was reminiscent for people of something like the young ones yeah. you know something Completely. like and only fools and horses you know yeah. you just think these six people you know these few people they look i think we did we, we look quite sort of shambolic in lots of different yeah. ways and that's what gave it its sort of culty yeah. edge yeah. um and was a character I never, ever expected people to take to their hearts. I was so scared that I was the one ruining the show. Yeah. So as unhelpful it is as it is to think in an ensemble I'm the best, I realise now it was also unhelpful to think you're the worst, you know. And so I had to have a (laughs) proper conversation with myself halfway through. And actually I spoke spoke to a friend of mine and I said, I'm not funny. I don't know what I'm doing. I need to get out of here. I'm killing this for the other other five people. Are so brilliant. Just what do I do? And she was like, well, you don't have to be the belly laugh, do you? You can be the wry smile character. And that was the thing that got me through. I was like, all I'm after is a wry smile. It's fine. It's fine. Just get on with it. And then I escaped the country when Fresh Meat came out because I was – I mean, I had to go to a wedding, but uh, um, I went to Cuba and and I extended the stay because I deliberately didn't want to be here at the time when it came out. So I was so nervous. Wow. And I looked so much like Vod as well. I've never really, I've never had my head shaved in my life. And suddenly I have a shaved head and people are going to know who I am, right? Yeah. And I got an email... From Tony Gardner, who plays Tony Shales yes. in the show, who obviously on the show is my mortal enemy. Um but he emailed instead of just watched episode one, I think you should all prepare for things to be very different. I thought, what does that mean? Does that mean people like it? Wow. What's going on? Yeah. And then next thing you know, Fod was a thing. I Fod is that. God. Yeah. It was it was a thing. It was It was a massive confidence boost because I was sure the choices that I made were just too hammy, too weird. The voice was just too odd. The the, the androgyny was a step too far. I just thought everything was was destined to fail and the the exact opposite happened. I'm so grateful.
0: It's it's something that I I look at when, because again, I do try and watch things kind of, studying and learning even before I was was doing acting it was always kind of that that beautiful thing and I think Vod it's going to sound like an odd one but it's the fact that it was such an unusual voice such an unusual approach but but it was persisted with and got through it's what I loved about the first few times I saw Tom Hardy always remembering the take he gave his character ridiculous voice yeah it was so intimidating and then you look at christian bale as batman it's like yeah. that's stupid he's playing that ludicrously but it's amazing yeah. it's, it's what got it through it was taking that really bold choice and yeah. going this works fuck yeah. you, yeah, <laughs> you that's, no, but, but that's
1: it. that is totally that is totally totally it yeah. and you're never rewarded in life uh, but you're hardly ever rewarded uh, i'm gonna put, put it in personal time <laughs> i've hardly ever been rewarded in my life by not giving any of the fucks. Yeah. And that was the time I just didn't. Yeah. And I got rewarded. Yeah. And so it was a, it was just a game changer in every sense of the word, yeah. really. I, love I miss it. her a lot. I really, really miss her. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be able to play her now. Yeah. If someone said, oh, go and do another, I don't yeah. know, do a Christmas special. Like, uh,
0: w- would you feel oh, as if you're God. you playing VOD now rather than actually you playing... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Th- I think then I you would. were playing VOD, but now VOD has become this thing that you're now detached from. Yeah, you would then have to go in and play your version of you playing. It's, I it's think sort of weird
1: because so, it was so specific. <laughs> you're right to yeah. that time of our lives. Yeah. I think all of us would struggle because we yeah. just, yeah, we just know too much now, and we were much more innocent then, and and created all of our characters from a much more, you know, from a not not a self aware place, mm. really so funny. I saw Kimberly Nixon quite recently, and she always jokes saying, "What about the day when you come in with like a tray of drinks and snacks for your kids and their friends, and they're watching reruns of Fresh Meat on Dave? Yeah. What, what does that moment yeah. look like? Yeah, How yeah, is that thought... gonna? Do you yeah. know what I mean? But that's like, hey, you've created some iconic British comedy, and I, I hope it. I hope it lasts the test of I love time. It.
0: So, what's the plan going f- forward? It- is it going to? Are you in a position now? If it feels like you're in a place to pick and choose the film and TV work that that, that you want to do, <laughs> I'm glad it not, looks like that. Not I'm and not. I know, <laughs> uh, but I mean, but but not feel that you have to take any anything that comes along, but be able to go. I t- I like that. I'm 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 into that, and maybe that comes from choosing to at one point almost walk away. Yeah. Um Yeah, I guess. I w- Oh, what what is the plan and outlook there is it, do you see a lot more tv and film coming are you, are you uh, in love with the th- theatre at the moment mm. or what's the
1: screebs honestly i don't know <laughs> i <laughs> i am i i am going to take some time to really think about what i want to do with the rest of yeah. my life after yeah. P- after pinter i think yeah. there's nothing know to be honest and i'm sure people project very different things on me and and lots of other actors in my position but i don't have anything else signed up i'm quite happily doing the play and not auditioning i'm quite happily have a book out there i quite happily have this film on netflix that is bonkers and bizarre and something i never (laughs) thought i'd get in a million years and i'm just sitting with it i'm not for the first time ever i'm just really not in a rush so i'm the thing I would love next is to just do some really lucrative, cheesy things. Yeah. Someone give me a voiceover. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'd yeah, happily yeah. do an appearance on any kind of strange TV programme, I mean, here or abroad, oh, and just pay the bills. Oh, one of the things I'd note to talk about is something um, you did a voiceover
0: on a uh, 24 hours in police custody. because. I proper rate that show. Everyone like loves genuinely, that show. I think it's fantastic.
2: Everyone it's such loves a, I that didn't recognise your voice on it at
0: all till, until, until it came up at the end. I was like, of course it is. Isn't that hysterical? Yeah, it's weird, isn't
1: it? Hiding in plain sight. Yeah, I'd like to hide in plain sight for a bit longer. Somehow, be paid to do it. I don't know how that's going to work. Perfect. Um, you know, any endorsements if you need me. You know, like, I'm <laughs> properly ready to do like an Anthea Turner holding a flake on my <laughs> yes. wedding day. Like that is where, <laughs> because it is again. You know using whatever platform i have right now to take the space and the time to to make sure that the next thing i do is something i'm meant really meant to be doing because i've got three of those things in my hand right now and it it feels too good to compromise at this point
0: i love that well thank you very much for taking the time it's been an absolute pleasure
1: it's so nice to see you cheers You've been listening to Scroobius Pips distraction pieces.
0: There we go. How was that? I hope you enjoyed it. Um, it felt as if we could, genuinely, it felt as if we could have talked for hours and hours and hours on end. But um, obviously there's performances to be done, so uh, we didn't we didn't get to check quite as long as how he was on um whose podcast did I listen to? On I think it was on Buxton. I'm not sure. It was on someone. Um. And she talked about dancing with prince and obviously i'm a massive prince fan so i wanted to get into that but um i didn't get around to it oh the other thing that we mentioned i said at the beginning i'd mention i'd plug all the things i briefly mentioned pod bible which is uh the 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 uk's first and number one podcast magazine it's available online now and physically um it's free so head to podbiblemag.com and you can check out pod bible um yeah n- next week's guest is the wonderful nish kumar it's the first time me and nish had, s- had sat down together and it felt like sitting down with an old friend um i don't like to tell people the guest too far ahead of time but the week after nish is an old friend of nish's so that's a link of some sort i'm tired okay um but yeah that'll be next week it's going to be cracking head to patreon.com slash pip if you want the um the previews of the guests in fact i need to hype quickly i've got one coming up i'm gonna i don't normally give guests away but i've got an episode coming up with tim clare who's a spoken word artist a poet and an author and it's one of the best conversations i've had it's really really good i know it's not the biggest name in the world but um i want to pre-hype it a bit because it's really good we go really deep i discuss some stuff i've never discussed not only never discussed on the podcast before, but never discussed with anyone before. So, but it's really positive, and he gives some amazing advice on beating writer's block and beating procrastination and all these kind of things. It's really good. I really re- recommend this. As that's going to be in three weeks. I think I've got t- two more guests ahead of Tim, but I wanted to hype it now. Um, I should also mention that. Did you hear our new outro? And my goddaughter Lola, who recorded the original one, went to stay with Buddy Peace and his wonderful missus, and she went with her sister and her mum. And while they were there, because my goddaughter Lola was the original voice on the Distraction Pieces outro, but it was when she she could barely talk. And now she's more grown up and can talk, so we figured, or, or, or Buddy figured, and rightfully so, he said, let's do a... Let's do a new one. Let's update it. It's been five years. So, yeah, we did that. Anyway, I'm rambling. I will see you all soon. Um, as I said, come... and I've, I never plug my socials anymore, but come hang out on the socials and chat and engage. It's really important that you guys um, engage and interact. The socials are getting more and more buried under algorithms and paywalls and stuff. So, you know, I generally appreciate and value the interaction that I get from you guys as and when you choose to. So uh, do more of that. Come have a chat. All right, I'll be back next week with the wonderful Nish Kumar. This has been the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode
2: 263.